Well, good morning, everyone. Please take your Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 7 for our study this morning. And uh, we had the introduction to the flood account uh, last week, and now we're going to continue as the floodwaters finally come here in chapter 7, starting in verse 1. Here we have the writings of Moses on our behalf. Moses writes in verse 1 of 7, Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you were righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and his mate, and a pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and his mate, and seven pairs of the birds of the heavens, also male and female, to keep their offspring alive on the face of all the earth. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth forty days and forty nights. And every living thing that I have made I will blot out from the face of the ground. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Noah was six hundred years old when the flood of waters came upon the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood of clean animals and of animals that are not clean and of birds and of everything that creeps on the ground. Two and two, male and female, went into the ark with Noah as God had commanded Noah. And after seven days, the waters of the flood came upon the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the seventh day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were open, and rain fell upon the earth forty days and forty nights. On the very same day, Noah and his sons Shem and Ham and Japheth and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast according to its kind and all the livestock according to their kinds and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, and every winged creature. They went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh, in which there was the breath of life. And those that entered, male and female, of all flesh went in, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. And the flood continued forty days on the earth, and the waters increased and bore up the ark. And it rose high above the earth, and the waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth. And the ark floated on the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. And the waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them fifteen cubits deep. And all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds, livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth, and all mankind Everything on the dry land in whose nostrils were the breath of life died, and he blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those who were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. May the Lord add his blessing at the hearing and the reading of his word this morning. So how many of you are going through a storm in your life right now? We've all had storms, and maybe you're going through quite a doozy right now. 
If not, don't worry. There'll be one around the corner soon. Years ago, when Kathy and I were serving in Budapest, Hungary, we came to a place where it seemed like it wasn't just one little storm. It seemed like a tsunami, along with a hurricane and a few tornadoes with it. We had made arrangements to serve in Budapest for about five years, and we were willing to stay even longer. But about two years into it, I was on an elder meeting, and uh, one of our elders decided to share some information with uh, the rest of the elders, and he said, well, gentlemen, he was a British guy, he goes, this is going to be difficult. And he said, unbeknownst to all of you, um, I've been supporting the pastor's package the last 20 years, and uh, I've been downsized at my corporation, and I won't be able to do that anymore. And, uh, and so uh, after all the air left the window, or left the room, I should say, uh, I'm like, uh, uh-oh. I don't, I'm not, I don't have any provision anymore. Uh, we had gone in good faith to be there, and we're only two years into this, and now... All the resources were going to be gone. I met with him the next day and said, hey, uh, should I get my resume out or, you know, what's going on here? And he's like, well, yeah, you probably should. And by the way, um, I'm moving back to England next year. And so all of it will be gone. Oh, dear. Talked to another elder the next day and said, hey, uh, our head elder says I should probably uh, get my resume out. What do you say? Yeah, I should get your resume out. And by the way, I'm moving back to the States. Talked to another elder the third day and said, hey, uh, they're telling me to get my resume out. What do you say? Well, you should get your resume out because I'm moving back to the States too. So my whole leadership core and all the finances was just gone in a flash. On top of that, in that week, I was planning on taking my daughter to basketball game uh, early morning on a Saturday. I Walked up our hill, and we lived on a huge hill in the, the hills of Buda in Budapest. I walked up the hill and I uh, went to my car, and uh, the car wasn't there. Oh dear. Yeah, the uh, car was stolen, and apparently that's a thing over in Europe. Uh, they steal your car. They won't hurt you much, but they'll take your stuff. And so the car was gone. That Sunday, as I'm going through all this, I arrived, and we had just purchased a brand new bass guitar for our worship team, and somebody walked off with that. So now we've got a stolen bass guitar, a stolen car, and I'm losing my job. Everything's great. A little bit of a storm. I don't know what kind of storms you've been through, but that uh, was a little unsettling. We had sold everything to go to Europe, and now we're being forced to return way earlier than we ever imagined or hoped for. Jesus says in John 16:33, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace, even in the midst of the storm. In the world you have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world, the Lord says. All of us will face difficult storms in life. The loss of a loved one, the loss of a career, a broken relationship, an ominous health report, or a circumstance that is just going the wrong way. But our Heavenly Father has warned us about such things. But at the same time, as we'll see today, He has offered His divine protection and provision in the midst of the storms that we face. By God's grace, He, he offers His immediate care for us in the midst of every storm. 
We need to simply enter into his gracious protection where he promises to shelter us and lift us above every circumstance. He promises to remember us as he leads us to new beginnings after the storm. See, there's an amen right there. As we go back to the beginning in our series, as we look through the book of Genesis in our survey, we're trying to find peace in the midst of the storm, part two here today. Again, it's the flood, one of the most well-documented accounts of antiquity. There are more accounts of a catastrophic flood in virtually every culture on the planet. And of course, the Chinese have one of the most well-developed flood accounts. Stay tuned to that motif. We'll be looking at that in the weeks to come. But today, I have four truths to share with you about how we can find peace in the midst of the storm. But before we study, let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for this opportunity we have to be in your word. And Lord, we just ask that you'd open your word to us, and we ask that you would be our guide, that you'd be our teacher. Unpack these things for us, that our hearts and our souls might identify with what you have to say. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Help us not to miss anything that you might have for us today. Lord, we want to hear from you today. Not from this speaker, but from you. So teach us, we ask. We pray all this in your son's wonderful and awesome name. Amen. If you have your sermon notes outlined, here's the first truth of four. First of all here in this passage... God has offered us his divine protection and provision. No matter what's going on in your world, whatever you're going through, God has offered you divine protection and provision. First of all, he's provided protection for ourselves. Notice what it said in verse 1 of 7. Then the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark. You, we'll read the rest of that in a moment, but Noah, you get to be spared as well. He offers protection for ourselves. In Hebrews 11:7, we read about Noah. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. It's by faith that Noah does all of this. And he goes in, he enters in to find protection for even himself. Faith is what matters in the midst of the storm you're going through. Will we trust God or not is the question. You recall Abraham was childless and was waiting for the promised seed that would redeem the world, but in hope against hope in his old age, Abram says, it says of Abram, and Abram believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Jesus encourages all of us Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Are you hearing that? I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what peace you're longing for, but it's found with Christ. And she says, come, I'll give you the peace you're longing for. He offers protection for even ourselves. But not only that, he offers protection for our household. Did you see that? Then the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. 
You and your household. Not just you, but for your family. You'll recall in the New Testament when Paul and Silas were in jail for proclaiming the gospel and they're overnight in jail singing God's praises and of course in the midst of their singing there's an earthquake and the chains come off and the jailer called for lights and he rushed in and trembling with fear he fell down before Paul and Silas then he brought them out and said sirs what must I do to be saved and they said believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved ready you and your household it says and they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. This concept, this idea of the household shows up five more times in the book of Acts and one more time in John's gospel. Now this is not a guarantee for salvation for other members of the household, but rather a principle that if there is one believer in the household, there is a strong possibility that others will come to Christ too. Years ago, my grandparents they got married, right? And uh, they were churchgoers, and my grandmother was a very faithful woman, honoring and walking with God. And as they got married, started living their life, uh, they start uh, going to church together, and my grandfather starts going up the ranks of the church and, you know, gets on some committees. And uh, one day he comes home from church and says, you know, there are more righteous people out in the business world, and there are in this church, I'm never going back. I'm done with the church. At first, my grandmother started to pray for his salvation. He must be a backslider. He must be in trouble. He, he's going the wrong way. God, surely you're going to deal with him, but nothing ever happened. He just kept doing his own thing. He kept going up the ladder in the company. No judgment came. She realized she needed to change her prayer. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You shall be saved, you and your household. Started praying for him to come to Christ. Perhaps he never knew Jesus at all was the problem. And she took that verse by faith. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You shall be saved, you and your household. How long did she pray? 25, 30 years? Finally, he came to Christ by God's grace. Taking that by faith. By the way, I just want to say, how long does salvation take? How long does God protect? How long does it take for us to even find protection from God? We have this idea that, you know, we throw up the Hail Mary, you know, and we, we, uh, we, we throw a, a deep prayer and boom, something should happen like right now. And maybe it takes longer than that. Maybe it takes a long time. It took around 70 plus years to even build the ark. 70 to 80 years building an ark with all the neighbors looking at you like, what are you doing? And rain, what's rain? What are you even talking about? This is nuts. And yet he was faithful, waiting on God to do what God was going to do. Protection for your household. God has offered us his divine protection and provision, protection for ourselves and our household. But not only that, he's offered us provision of shelter, food, and clothing you know, maybe you don't have the nicest car in town or the biggest house, but maybe that's not what matters. Maybe just having provision enough. 
God says to Noah, take with you seven pairs of all clean animals and male on his mate and a pair of the animals that are not clean and male on his mate and seven pairs of the birds of the heavens, also male and female, to keep their offspring alive on the face of all the earth. I just want you to have provision here. God provides shelter here by way of the ark. God provides food and clothing for them as they enter into the ark. And God provides for even future worship with these additional animals that were added. Now, for us to see this fully in terms of God's outrageous care for us, I encourage you to turn to Psalm 91. It won't be on the screen, but grab the Bible in the pew rack in front of you if you don't have your Bible with you. And turn to Psalm 91 because I want you to see this passage. And let's worship in this passage. Uh, again, we've kind of somehow in our culture, we've moved away from the idea that we, it's, you know, I need people to just tell me stuff. Uh, but don't read to me, you know, don't read stuff to me. Well, this is God's word. This is God's word to us. We ought to be reading this. And so I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to read this aloud so we all can hear it and worship in it for a moment as we hear God's incredible intent toward us in being our provision. Notice what it says in Psalm 91. He who, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Are you abiding in his shelter today? I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Have you ever been to that place where there's nowhere else to turn but to cry out to him? My God, help me. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, the fowler, that which ensnares. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Yeah, remember that COVID thing? Remember that? deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions. That's his feathers, his, his, his wingspan. And under his wings, you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You'll not fear. You don't have to be afraid. No, you will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked because you've made the Lord your dwelling place, the most high who is my refuge. Have you made him your dwelling place today? You guys, that's where you find the refuge. That's where you find the protection. That's where you find the provision. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. This is where you get the idea of the guardian angel concept throughout scripture. There it is. He's going to assign angels to you to watch over you. I didn't say it. That's what it says. I'm going to go with it. Verse 12, on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. <laughs> You'll be stepping on snakes. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Why? Because he holds fast to me in love. Here's what God says. Listen close. I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is our God. This is what he has for you by way of his incredible, outrageous, dare I say, 
undeserved provision that he has for us. God has offered us his divine protection and provision, protection for ourselves, for our households, for shelter, food, and clothing. But secondly here, secondly here this morning, God has warned us about his just wrath to come. Beloved, today God is offering you peace in the midst of your storm. The invitation has been extended to you through Christ for us to enter into his peace, to come into his sanctuary. His peace is offered to all those who believe. Have you put your trust in him? Will you accept his clear invitation for protection and provision and ultimately salvation through Christ, knowing that he has warned us about the just wrath to come? In verse 4 we read, For in seven days I will send rain on the earth, forty days and forty nights, and every living thing that I have made I will blot out from the face of the ground. Notice again, verse 5, as we saw last week, And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. How are you doing on that? Are you doing all that he's commanded you? Matthew 24, listen to what Jesus has to say about these days. For as were, as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Remember, God's judged before. He's going to judge again. The Son of Man, Jesus the Christos, the Christ, will return. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Beloved, judgment is coming. Will you be swept away or will you be safe in the arms of God? God has offered his divine protection and provision. God has warned us about his just wrath to come. But thirdly here, we need to enter into God's gracious protection. Have you done that? I trust and hope you have. I hope you are under his divine, gracious protection. Notice what it says in verse 6. Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters came upon the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood of clean animals and of animals that are not clean and of birds and of everything that creeps on the ground. Two and two, male and female, went into the ark with Noah as God had commanded Noah. So Noah enters in under God's gracious protection. Noah's family enters in. The domestic animals enter in. The wild animals enter in to find the protection that they needed. Beloved, all of us in this room need to enter into what God has for us by way of his protection. Have you done that? Or, or maybe you got one foot in the door and you're like, ah, I don't know. No, get in. Just get in, would you? Get in the boat, as it were. I hope you have. Philippians 4, 6 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Hopefully you know some believers in your life who they've gone through great, horrible, crazy situations and you've seen how they've been steadfast. They stood firm no matter what was going on. And hopefully they were a testimony to you. 
I can't tell you how many times I've been at funerals for a non-believer, and there they are. They're all freaking out. They're all wailing and crying. Why? Because there is no hope. It's over for them. And what blessed assurance and peace we have when we see someone who's in Christ who's passed away and the family comes and there's a resignation and a peace and understanding that God has this and I have a future to look forward to because it's not about the here and now. It's about the there and then. It always has been about the there and then. It's not about the here and now. And there's great peace. I'll never forget my grandmother. uh, First funeral I ever went to as a kid. Same grandmother I was talking to you about about her faithfulness, about her now deceased husband in the casket. I walk into the funeral room, and there he is in the casket. I've never been in a room. I was like 16, 17 years old. I've never been in a room with a dead person in it before. My grandmother was like, she sought me out. I don't know what happened exactly, but she grabbed me, and she pulled me over to look at Gramps. There he is. He's gone. And uh, out of the sweetness of her little voice, which she had, She just simply said, isn't he sweet? (laughs) I was just like, what in the world? Shouldn't you be beside yourself and your husband's gone? No, she had a great peace and a knowledge because she knew where he was in the there and the then, and that was sufficient. I learned a great deal in that moment with the steadfastness of a woman devoted to Christ. Beloved, we need to enter into God's gracious protection. We've been warned about his just wrath to come. He's offering you divine protection and provision. Lastly, here this morning, he's offered us immediate salvation. A lot of times we talk about the idea that, yeah, one day I'll go to be with him. That's when I'll be saved. No, salvation, if you put your faith and trust in him as your savior, that starts now. And even now, you could say, I have been saved, I am in the process of being saved, and I will be saved. There's a past, present, and future aspect to our salvation. He's offering us immediate salvation, even right now, wherein he promises to protect you. He will protect you. Verse 10, we read, and after seven days, the waters of the flood came up upon the earth, In the 600th year of Noah's life, verse 11, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were open, and rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. I don't know what kind of a rainstorm you're going through right now, but have you had one for 40 days and 40 nights? Sometimes we wonder, you know, when's the next uh, shoe going to drop? And for some of us, it's raining shoes, right? On the very same day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark, and every beast according to its kind, and all the livestock according to their kinds, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth according to its kind, every bird according to its kind, every winged creature, they went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh, in which there was the breath of life. Watch this. And those that entered, male and female, of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. The Lord does this. Who shuts the door? God does. 
Who protects you? You protect yourself? No. I don't know about you, but I can't do it. I can't protect myself from all the pain that's out there. Neither can you. It's God who shuts us in and protects us by his grace. And so here we have the flood. The fountains of the great deep burst open, the floodgates of the sky. Again, on day two, we saw when God separated the waters from the waters in Genesis chapter 1. We saw that there was a water vapor canopy that uh, created this greenhouse effect on the planet where people are living long, long years. Moses, or I'm sorry, Noah in this case is 600 years when the flood comes. After the flood, everything's different because that protection canopy is gone. About 120 years is all we see in this life after the flood. And so the fountains of the great deep burst open. There was water below the firmament and Waters above, two major forces working together by the, the devolution of the vapor canopy. It was precipitated, and the waters of the deep burst forth by the great hydroponics. And by the way, one of the questions comes out, you know, how is it possible all these mountains, you know, get covered? How does Mount Everest get covered? Well, maybe Mount Everest wasn't quite as big as it was back in those days. I want you to think about this. Let's say that there maybe were some mountains on the earth before the flood, but now there's a flood. I don't know if you know this about water, but water's like super heavy. Did you know that? Like way heavy? Uh, Kathy's mom and dad, they have a horse farm out on 25th Street, and from time to time, if uh, like in the wintertime especially, the pipes freeze, you gotta carry five gallon pails of buckets of water. You ever had to do that? You, by the end of it, you're gonna feel like your arms are falling off, right? Because why? It turns out water's super heavy. Now, I want you to think about a cubic mile, a cubic mile of water. If you set it down on the earth, you think that's going to make a dent somewhere? And there's way more than that. That's just, I'm just talking about one cubic mile. So I want you to think about this. As the waters disperse over all the planet, I don't know if you've ever noticed, if you've ever looked at a, a topographical map or globe of the, of the whole world, you'll notice that wherever there's a basin of water, wherever you have a push on the planet, you have a give. So Mediterranean, push, Alps, boom, there it is, right? Indian Ocean, push, Himalayas, boom, right? Pacific Ocean, huge push, Pacific Rim, you got the Sierra Madres all the way from California down to Mexico, all the way to the islands of Japan. It's a crazy. Wherever there's a push, there's a give. And so maybe things are a lot higher now than they were prior to the flood. And so this isn't just sheer speculation. This is completely possible in terms of God's economy. But don't miss the one truth out of all of this that matters most. And the Lord shut him in by sheer grace. It's the Lord who protects us. But secondly, he will lift you above your circumstances. That's exactly what happened here with the ark. Verse 17, the flood continued 40 days on the earth. The waters increased and bore up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. That's what God does. He lifts us above our circumstances. The waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. And the waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep. And a flush died that moved on the earth, all, and all flesh, I should say, died that moved on the earth, birds, livestock, beasts, and all swarming creatures that swarmed on the earth, and all mankind. Everything on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. 
He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. Are you noticing the repetition here? Over and over the text keeps saying the same thing over and over again to make the point. Sometimes it's doubled. Sometimes it's tripled. In a few cases, it's put forward five times to make sure we understand what's being said here. And he blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heaven. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those who were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. But we're going to find that he ends up being in the ark for about a year. How long do we have to wait? As long as it takes. Just imagine how exciting it must have been on the ark, waiting and waiting and waiting to finally get out of that thing. God lifts them up. Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 5, won't be on the screen, listen close. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Oh, that we would humble ourselves. And by the way, Peter understood this. Remember Peter, Mr. Denier guy, Mr. I don't know you, Jesus? God had his way, and he's, he's trying to help us here get a clue on something. Hey, would you just humble yourself? Because that's what happened to me. You don't want to do it the way I did it. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. This is our God. He knows what you need. He knows what you're longing for. He cares about all that you're going through. And he will lift you up. He'll lift you above your circumstances and sustain you. And now we turn to chapter 8 with this incredible verse. Don't miss this today. Where we find out more than anything else with all of this that we're talking about today, he will remember you. Sometimes in life it just seems that things are going so badly, so, there's so much difficulty, conflict, issues, concerns. We just feel like, God, where are you? Have you forgotten that I'm here? Is that possible, by the way, for God to forget that you're here? Is that even possible? No. But notice what it says in verse 1. God remembered Noah. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. He didn't forget. God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. So just as the waters came, now the waters are going to go. The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed. The rain from the heavens was restrained and the waters receded from the earth continually. At the end of 150 days, the waters had abated. In the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat and the waters continued to abate until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. At the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made. Finally, he opens a window <laughs> to get a little peek out, and he sent forth a raven. It went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. Then he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground, but the dove found no place to set her foot, and she returned to him to the ark. Can you imagine the disappointment? Like, come on, you know, come on, dove, make it. Oh, the dove's back. Rats, that's not good. How long does it take to find God's provision to find his rescue. Maybe it takes longer than we think. For the waters were still on the face of the whole earth, verse 9. So he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark with him. And he waited another seven days. And again, he sent forth the dove of the ark. 
out of the ark, and the dove came back to him in the evening. Behold, in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Oh, hope. Awesome. So Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. And then he waited another seven days. Still, you know, boy, let's open the door now. No, I'm going to wait a little bit longer just to be sure. Another seven days, and he sent forth a dove, and she did not return to him anymore. So in the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried from, the, from off the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. So in the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. Notice all the particulars on dates and timing. Do you think there's like somewhere on the ark, like, okay, another day, okay, another day, okay, another day. For a year. <laughs> wow. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth had finally dried out. and God remembered Noah. This is a huge theme throughout all of Scripture. Being remembered by who he is is so important to all of us. He remembered Noah, you'll recall. In other passages, we'll see that he remembers Abraham. He remembers Rachel. He also has remembered you as he sent his son for you. And he'll not forget you. You recall the thief on the cross who cries out to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what does Jesus say? Today you will be with me in paradise. Count on it. Not only will he remember you, but lastly here, he'll give you a new beginning. Praise God for this. I've seen this in the lives of countless people who've gone through great difficulties, great calamities, things that you just imagine, I don't know how you're going to recover from it, but yet they've trusted God with their lives, and then God grants them a new beginning, a new start over point. And some might say, well, yeah, but I've got more years behind me now. How can I start over now? God can handle it. God can redeem the years that the locusts have eaten, the scripture says. You go, whoa. Verse 15, we read, Then God said to Noah, Go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. This is a new beginning. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by families from the ark. So God gives them now a whole new world. And the question is, will we trust him for that after the storm? Will we trust God for a whole new world for us? Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Fresh start, even right now, even today wherein he will protect you, he will lift you above your circumstances, he will remember you, he will give you a new beginning. This is our God, this is what he does. Over the course of the last 20 plus years, I've been dealing with a young man who went through a great amount of calamity and difficulty. Ex-military, things did not go well for him in the military. All went south. He decided to going to business after the military and was doing pretty well and 
He ended up at a church that I was at, and I, we shared the gospel with him, and he came to faith in Christ, and it was great. He had a heart for ministry, so we hooked him up to Moody Bible Institute, so he started taking classes there. And uh, actually, he was actually working uh, with Erwin Lutzer at Moody Church at one point as an intern. Uh, everything was looking great. But something happened that in his life that soured him on things. And so he turned his back on God, and man, everything hit the fan in a horrible way with this guy. Could not hold a career. I mean, we're talking over a period of 10, 15 years, he could not hold a career. Relationships would come and go. Totally messed up. I'm having lunch with him one time, and trying to encourage him, and while we're eating, one of his tooth, you know, tooth falls out of his face. Like, what am I doing? What do I do? He has no insurance. I gave him some money and contacted the dentist to get him some help. I mean, he's not, things are not going well. But he knows he's been in rebellion against God, wrestling with alcoholism. Just a mess. There comes a point where he starts crying out for God. Oh, God, help me. At one point, he sent me a picture of his, his living room, and the picture was the floor full of tissues because he couldn't stop crying. And God had his way with him. At one point, he ended up being bankrupt. I mean, he was just a mess. And by God's grace, as he finally submitted himself to God, his life's been turned completely around. And now, all of a sudden, God is blessing him with all that he ever wanted, opening up incredible doors. Why? Because he, in the middle of his storm, he finally knew the only place he could turn to find any help. It wasn't going to be old Pastor Brad. It wasn't going to be anything, anybody else. That only God could make the difference. And he went in and he found shelter, and he now has that shelter as God has provided in amazing ways. Incredible testimony. Sometimes it takes a while. God raised up people to support us way back in Budapest. We were able to stay on the field in Budapest one extra year by his grace after the storm we were going through. And then the Lord provided a new calling back in the States, initially in Angola, and then to Chicago, and now by his grace he's called us here. And we're so thankful for that. But all we've tried to do is just trust him in the midst of whatever storm comes our way. And God is so good. Beloved, our Heavenly Father has warned us about the wrath to come, but at the same time, he has offered his divine protection and provision in the midst of the storms we face. By God's grace, he offers his immediate care for us in the midst of every storm, even right now. He longs to be your shelter. Will you turn to him? We need to simply enter into his gracious protection where he promises to shelter us and to lift us above every circumstance. Will you trust him for that? And he'll remember us as he leads us to a new beginning after the storm. Would you please stand as we close our service today? Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God of all things. And when we find there's nowhere else to turn, you are where we need to end up. You are, you are all that we need. 
The Apostle Paul cried out with a thorn in the flesh that he had and cried out three times and he discovered that your grace is sufficient. It's enough. Will we take you at your word? Oh God, help us. It was my prayer that each one in this room is finding peace in the midst of your storm, no matter what you're dealing with. Knowing that he has you and he will never let go, you don't have to fear. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. He has your provision. He has what you need. Perhaps you know someone who's going through a great storm right now and maybe you can be there for them to come alongside them, to show them the way, to show them Christ and his grace and his care. Lord, thank you for these truths that bolster our faith, that encourage us in our walk. We need to hear these things, Lord, because all of us are facing difficulties in this world. Everybody in this room has something that they're going through or will go through. Oh God, we need your help. May we turn to you now, knowing that you long to rescue us now. If that's where you are right now, it's my prayer that you turn to him right now. You'd receive him by faith. Invite Christ to be your Savior. Get in the boat right now. Don't miss the boat of his salvation in Christ. And then find the peace that you're longing for. For those who are in a storm, Lord, I pray that you would grant comfort, that you would grant encouragement. Help them to know that they're not alone, that you're with them. And your, your purpose is not necessarily to remove the storms of life, but to help us through the storm, come what may. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your watch care. Thank you for your protection, oh God, in all these things. And so Lord, we ask that you would burn these truths into our hearts and our minds that we would not turn to the left or to the right, but that we'd walk straightway with you in your truth. Help us to do that, Lord, we ask now. We pray all of this in your son's wonderful and awesome name this morning. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you so much for coming. Have a fantastic week.